Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Jim Zoki here. Mike Pacheco has been traveling with uh, the Winthrop Eagles, one of his 17 jobs that he has, in addition to doing the Panther post game right. show. And he's, he's uh, very does a very good job at all of those. Uh, but we catch him as he just gets back off the road from Tennessee Tech, where Winthrop won. Of course, we're headed out Tampa Bay. Panthers uh, playing the Bucks on WBT coming up on Sunday, 10 o'clock, with the pregame show and the kickoff at one. And then Mike and Brett with the postgame show. Afterwards, and I like following you on your uh, your bearded podcast. Your other pod, you're seeing other podcasts. Yeah, uh, podcasts that's right. that you do, and you and uh, Dave Friedman. I don't even know if Winthrop's winning or losing, but man, you guys eat good on the road, is what I'm seeing. There's a lot of pictures of food. Well, if I had to choose between Tampa and Cookville, Tennessee, I think that's advantage you. Uh, <laughs> <Eat> more <laughs> but, city. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were like 100 miles in between Nashville and Knoxville uh, last night. No, it was fun. Um, and, you know, the whole thing just kind of bore out of, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff on the road together and we're like, let's just start having fun with it because, um, you know, take advantage of what we're doing. So we had some good barbecue last night and yeah, I need to go back to the Y and work out, man. It's, it's like basketball season is not good for my, uh, like my cal- caloric intake. Is yeah. That the proper- it's, it's yeah. math. There's math involved with that. And uh, yeah. obviously, obviously grammar now, but um, I remember back <laughs> doing uh, when I did the Charlotte 49er games and I did Davidson for a couple of years. And, you know, they feed those kids sometimes you're on a bus or whatever. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, there's only so many Wendy's and Chick-fil-A's you can eat. So mm-hmm. I don't blame you guys for venturing out and uh, using your per diem wisely, uh, finding some uh, some other meals out there wherever you go. Get and you, you also um, you got to check out historical sites and points of interest along the way. So that's always fun to follow, too. And I'm, I'm kind of a history buff, so I, I love going out and learning stuff. Um, and it just makes it more fun. you know. And I, and I think what we try to do, too, is, you know, just kind of – get some awareness too for winter because people probably think, you know, where are these idiots at and then why are they there? <laughs> and it's, Oh, there's a basketball game, but it was fun. I mean, you know, we go to some great places too. Uh, you know, Nashville was great at the beginning of the year. We talked about that earlier. And then Kentucky going to Rupp arena. I'd been outside of Rupp arena, never had been inside. Uh, and that was fantastic. And then we, we checked out Keeneland to uh, the racetrack, which is always a fun. I mean, it's funny. Keeneland is like the one racetrack that you don't really feel like a degenerate when you're driving up to it. You know I mean? It's like, it looks like a state park. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but uh, but that was a lot of fun too. Well, we're we're kind of you know kicking stuff around because we're not that excited about talking about the three game losing <laughs> streak. Yeah, we'll, geez, we'll preview Tampa in the game, obviously. But just to recap, the last three weeks, 
I'm going to just pick a phrase from each week. The uh, the 31-point loss at Pittsburgh was, well, those things just happen. You know, clunkers. Yeah. You get one right. of those every now and then. Detroit was, well, we're back to the basics now, the fundamentals. We can't catch the ball. Right. We can't tackle. And then this past week, uh, with the heartbreaking loss on the final play to Seattle, they corrected all the things that happened in Detroit. This one was, well, it comes down to just a handful of big plays, four or five plays. And we did. We missed field goals. We uh, allowed two big pass plays, obviously, at the end. And the Dante Jackson injury loomed huge in this one. But um, I thought the team played really well, actually. There were record-setting performances by Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton. And uh, so offensively, there were a lot of good things that happened. Uh, they did not allow a sack. Uh, they held the best rushing team to half their average, about 75 yeah. yards defensively. So it's kind of kind of messed up, Mike, that they lost to Seattle at home because if you'd kind of checked all the boxes of things you wanted to accomplish, it would have worked. But they did. They gave up 40-plus-yard pass plays that came back to haunt them. Yeah, it was. It was. It was the big plays um, that came back to hurt. You know, in the first half, we were talking about this, Brett and I, on the, on the postgame show. You know, the first half, the defense looked really good. You know, uh, they had three three and outs. Uh, they were getting good pressure on on Russell Wilson. And then um, after that last touchdown in the first half, they never stopped the Seahawks again. They scored in every possession, whether it was a field goal or a touchdown. And then um, I, I almost feel like that game. I don't want to say I hate to say lost in the first quarter because that that especially when you're leading sounds silly. But um, you know, the failure to not score touchdowns on those first two possessions of the game uh, came back to really hurt the the, the Panthers because they didn't have the cushion. You know, sometimes when they get up to big early leads, um, you know, it's kind of that bend don't break mentality where, and then everything is fine. Usually, it's that kind of knuckle. Uh, you know, you're, 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 you're chewing your fingernails and, uh, you know, biting your knuckles uh, at the end of the game, but usually it's a win. And then this time, um, you know, for a confluence of reasons, uh, things just didn't work out at the end of the game, which is unfortunate because I really feel like th- that this was a better team, Jim. You know, I mean, the Panthers, I, I thought they all played the Seahawks, even, even with some of the big plays that the Seahawks made. I, I really thought that, um, and then the, the rushing totals, right? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. McCaffrey goes for 125 yards and they rush uh, for 220 as a team. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing that's kind of unfortunate, I know Cam touched on this yesterday, and in, in, um, we, we talked about this in the postgame show the last couple of weeks. I mean, statistically, and even with the eye test, I mean, Cam's probably playing the best football of his career. I mean, and it's not even close. I mean, six straight, uh, 100. Uh, and I don't know how they do the rating systems, but I mean, he's been over 100 in the rating system for right. the last six weeks. Um, and I thought it was good to see him get back and run ball. Uh, you know, the, the two previous losses – against uh, Pittsburgh and Detroit. He really had did, uh, maybe like two carries and two rushes in both games or something like that. Right. So it's good to see him kind of get the running game back going. And I think it, that, that kind of energizes him too, I think. Get, get some of those big runs, I think, kind of fires him up. Um, but now, you know, unfortunately, you went from, you know, putting yourself in a position to being 8-3 and three to uh, to now, if, if you go 4-1 and one and you end up at 6-5, and five, you, you might need some help even at 10-6 and six to – to get that wild card spot. So it's, they've kind of backed themselves up to the wall a little bit. The only other encouraging thing, Jim, I would say is, um, is in, De- in December, these Panther teams under Ron Rivera have, have won, I think almost 70% of their games. So, I mean, maybe, maybe the hope is that, that, that magic continues. Yeah. And like you said, there was a lot to like about the way the team played. So you take your chances with, especially the way the offense is playing defensively, uh, we'll see on Dante Jackson as we sit here today. That'd be huge if he can't play in this yeah. game, but hopefully he'll yeah. be able to give it a go uh, with the quad. But to, before we get to a little bit more into depth on Tampa Bay, you're right about the overall NFC picture because you went from being fifth in the NFC, which is in the playoffs, to eighth, yeah. which is two away. And the right. one in between you is Seattle at seven, yeah. which owes a tiebreaker. And the last one in right now is Washington, 
holds a tiebreaker. Yep. So all six and five, and it's like, so you have to finish ahead of them. And, again, you're down to five games. There's not much time there. Seattle plays four of their last five at home. And you mentioned the Panthers may have to go four and one to have a chance because typically you try to aim for ten. You can get in with nine. Sometimes ten or eleven doesn't get you in, but ten is kind of like something you shoot for if you can't win the division. And that would require right off the top winning – uh, one one game against New Orleans, which they're capable of, but you play them twice. You got to win one of those and right. all the other games. And now suddenly going to Tampa, going to Cleveland, hosting Atlanta, nothing looks easy when you lose three in a row. No, and you like to, and I know the the one of the you know the big benchmarks, I guess, for a long time has been that ability for this team to try and win back to back seasons, which has never happened, winning records in back to back seasons. So it'd be kind of hollow if they went nine and seven, didn't make the playoffs, and yet had back-to-back winning seasons. That'd be um, payback for us winning the division at seven, eight, and one I, that one year. I, yeah, exactly. Oh man, but Tampa. Uh, we'll talk about the other ones later. We got plenty of time to talk about Tampa or uh, New Orleans and Cleveland, and Atlanta down the road. <clears throat> but yeah. you look at this game against. Well, Jim, Tampa. we just take it one game at a time. We don't. Uh, well, they we do. Don't... We don't have to. I mean, <laughs> no, we're broadcasters. They no. they have to by law, but we we're able to yeah, look that, at. Yeah, we, we can well, look at the. Actually, tw- we can look at the 2019 draft. I mean, what? Who's going to care about what we do? Yeah, isn't that going to be inserted into the contracts next year that you can only <laughs> talk about the game that week? <laughs> <laughs> That's how we live in the world of broadcasting. Not really. No, we look at all of them. Uh, but this Tampa team is dangerous because it's ridiculous because they swap out quarterbacks like yeah, like wrestlers tapping out every two and a half weeks. You know, here comes Fitzpatrick. <laughs> here comes Winston. Yeah. Here comes Winston back in again for this one after he saw Fitzpatrick last time. And the the oddity is they're the number one yardage team out of 32 in the league they're the number one passing yardage team and yet they keep benching their quarterbacks because combined they've thrown 23 interceptions between Winston and Fitzpatrick but as they say on any given Sunday they can put up big numbers so you know if you get good Jameis or good Fitzpatrick uh, as they say Fitzmagic it works and right now Jameis Winston coming off a nice performance against the 49ers and they've been playing better defensively too Jim you know when you look at uh, you know uh, uh, Jean-Pierre Paul's Ended up being a pretty good pickup for them. You know, we already know about Gerald McCoy. So, uh, Carl Nassib, uh, they, you know, they made that and change early Levante in the year. David back, who's a good player, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he, right. And he didn't play in the last game, um, which the Panthers won. You know, it looked, it looked a little sketchy at the end there, but I mean, they kind of had that game in hand. Good, good play by uh, Eric Reed early on in the in that game for an interception. But I think that's the key, Jim. And, and I think part of the reason why this, the three game losing skid has uh, maybe materialized too is the Panthers um, while at times have played well defensively in that in that stretch they haven't been able to get the the takeaways which is when this team has been successful in the Ron Rivera era a, a lot of it's been fueled by that complimentary football where you know the offense makes big plays and the, the defense goes out gets an interception or a fumble and forces a fumble and then the offense capitalizes scores and you know it's kind of that simpatico um, so it'd be nice to see whether it's Winston or Fitzpatrick if the defense could could get a few, you know, force a few turnovers. You know, the offense continues to play the way they do. Um, then you feel good about this game. But if they don't force any turnovers, you're not getting any pressure on those two guys. Um, which, whichever one's the quarterback, I don't, you know, <laughs> if Winston throws like three picks in the first half, it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know they go back to Fitz Magic, right? But yeah. I think that's the kind of game that you're, you're hoping for from a Panthers perspective is uh, trying to force those turnovers and uh, win that win that turnover battle. And fortunately for them, they're playing a Tampa Bay team that's dead last in the giveaway takeaway. They're minus twenty one. Yeah which is not just those interceptions. They only have three defensive interceptions this year, so they've kind of struggled in that giveaway takeaway. And you, know, you hear more and more around the league, Mike, about they're less about 
yardage. Obviously, it's about points. Every game is how you win and lose and what the scoreboard indicates. But it's less about who's, like, say, we said Tampa Bay is number one in yardage. It's more about the takeaways. The giveaway takeaway thing yeah. has become a bigger stat in terms of a better indicator of who the good football teams are. Yeah, and I think, well, because that's an indication of how um, how active your defense is. Um, and, and that's really in all phases of the defense, right? Because uh, sometimes interceptions, you know, cornerbacks get all the get all the uh, and safeties, the defensive backs get all the, the, the praise and all that. But, you know, the defensive line plays a part of that, too, because if you're getting pressure, I mean, how many times you see a guy, a quarterback going back and, you know, maybe his arm gets dinged up a little bit on the throw and all of a sudden it's a duck and it goes right into a linebacker's hand or something like that. Right. So it's um, that, that and that's kind of the complementary nature on the on the defensive side. And hopefully, you know, the Panthers can, you know, figure out an answer. I mean, you know, again, you know, Dante Jackson, as we speak today, be good to have him in there. Um, but, you know, they've, they've actually prepared, you know, you know, they're prepared to kind of play without him, if you will. I mean, they're, they're, that's obviously a contingency that they've known since Monday. So, um, you know, hopefully having a few days of getting some reps will, will help for the secondary Yeah, if he doesn't play. I don't want to analyze it. I'm, not, I'm not like a player now. Like, they just need to win. I don't even want to talk about how they do it or what what it, what components or stats or analytics. Just win the game. So we started with college basketball. We always talk Panthers. Want to wrap up with some college football this week, Mike, because we're vacating the stadium while the ACC championship comes in. Clemson versus Pittsburgh. Obviously be a huge upset if the, uh, the Pitt Panthers yeah. uh, beat Clemson here. But uh, – We'll see, but it's been uh, an interesting end to the college football season with what happened elsewhere, which was Ohio State beating Michigan. Georgia's got to play Alabama, so we got the top four uh, with uh, Alabama up there, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Georgia. But if Alabama holds on and wins, that's going to open up four. I think Notre Dame's probably safe at three since they don't play. I can't imagine them dropping two spots to five. Although I did talk to J.J. Jansen about that, and he has run the analytics. There is a scenario in which Notre Dame could drop out of that really? uh, top four. And, of course, J.J. would be the one to find it because he would be the analytical guy that would run the sure. computer models. If both Oklahoma and Ohio State win substantially, there is a scenario where Notre Dame, despite not playing, could drop out. And, uh, of course, it would take Georgia losing, too. Because uh, I think Alabama is in. I mean, if they lose to Georgia, they yeah. just drop from one to four or something like that. Yeah. What, what do you think about all the, the college football playoff rankings? Well, you know, Dave and I were talking about that the other day. Um, to me, what's interesting, and Dave, Dave pointed this out to me, Dave Freeman, um, you know, the one thing about Notre Dame that you have to give them credit for is the, the schedule that they play. You know, they don't they don't play, uh, you know, the, the F, uh, F, FCS. Yeah, they don't play the FCS school like a lot of these teams do. Um, so I, I don't know if they should be penalized for not playing in a championship game. But the interesting thing is, you know, and I, I guess, you know, the TV contracts all have to play out. Um, but it'll be interesting at some point if, um, and right now Notre Dame is playing kind of in an association with the ACC. They play what like five or six ACC games, um, so that kind of helps right. with their scheduling too. Um, but it'll be interesting down the road. And you didn't ask me about down the road, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. Um, if, <laughs> if maybe <laughs> if maybe they're forced eventually to go full time into the ACC, um, if, if if and this is the other thing, you know, do the conference championship games continue down the road? And I say that with the, the thought of, you know, if the, the uh, playoffs are expanded to eight, which I personally think is a good idea. But getting back to this year's team, um, this year's situation, um, I mean, I really think the four, the top four teams in the in the rankings right now are the four best teams, right. in my opinion. Um, now, Georgia has to beat Alabama, I think. Uh, theoretically, if it's a really close game and, um, and Georgia maybe loses by two, you know, I could see maybe that they stay in that number four slot. But um, in Alabama, I think 
is in no regard like win or lose Alabama, you yeah. know like you said I, I i think they're in um oklahoma to me is an interesting uh, school versus ohio state um i mean they don't really play any defense but they're really good offensively uh and then ohio state had that tough loss um and tough by tough i mean it was you know you lose to a six and six even though it was earlier but that, that loss to purdue i think hurts them the, the the playoff side of things i think is going to be very interesting and what if i mean i don't think it's going to happen i, I mean and this is why I don't gamble because I would probably put um, you know put the house on Clemson winning and they probably will win. Um, but wouldn't that be something if Pittsburgh were to upset Clemson? And I think Clemson is still in, but uh, I mean it'd be great for the ACC. This and the ACC is not going to say this. You and I can say this because you know the points don't matter and you know nobody's paying attention. But um, yeah, I mean this is like a this is like a nightmare scenario for the ACC in the championship game. And no no disrespect to Pittsburgh, but you know, Pittsburgh doesn't have kind of that regional cachet, you know, like a, like if a Virginia Tech were playing clubs and that would be, you know, of good local interest. Um, and remember when the ACC first started the football championship games in Tampa and uh, it was like, and they were good, they were good games, but I don't think they drew a lot of interest when it was BC and Virginia Tech. Um, and I think that's the only thing that hurts the ACC is when like the BCs and the Pittsburghs and maybe even Wake Forest to some extent, kind of the, um, uh, you know the schools that maybe aren't nationally as well known. The, the more like um, the Big East family of ACC teams, right? Right. Well, shouldn't it be like, well, shouldn't it be like the the uh, the two divisions shouldn't be Atlantic and Coastal. It should be the Big East and original. Don't get me started. <laughs> I threw that idea out there with, from the minute they did that. I just said and th- and throw Florida State in on the other side too. Have the original eight, and then put Florida State and all the uh, the Big East schools over there. It makes all the sense in the world, but. That's not how they do it. Sense and tradition no. and rivalry. It's about TV markets and. Well, I and think, all that. but but to me, what's more egregious is that they didn't pay attention to. Well, that's just it, and uh, yeah. the fact that I didn't actually call them and tell them, I just kind of said it in small <laughs> small group settings. Right, you said it in small groups, and they, they well, and shame on them for not finding it. <laughs> and shame for me not having John Swafford as part of a small group that I was talking to when right, I was was right. doing that. But I'm going to disagree with you on a rare occasion here, in that uh, there are so many Pittsburgh transplants down here that even if half of them are Penn State fans who hate Pittsburgh, the other half uh, they won't travel well, but they're already here. Uh, we're, we're, we're infiltrated yeah. with Buffalo and, and, and Pittsburgh yep. people already. So I, can see that. I think yeah. I could see a decent number of Pittsburgh people that would go just like Steeler fans would go here to support the local team. But yeah. Clemson's going to travel well for this one, obviously. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. I'd be shocked. Pittsburgh's coming off a three touchdown loss in Miami. So I just, I don't, I have, upsets happen all the time and you never say never because we see it every single week. Yep. But, but what a huge upset that would be. I just think Clemson's playing too good of football right now though. No, no doubt about it. And but but it kind of brings up the interesting question though, because uh, I think with the early signing day uh, coming up now in football, uh, schools are maybe pulling the trigger a little bit quicker on coaches. And of course, Larry Fedora, we know we saw this over the weekend that he was uh, being let go by North Carolina, and then boy, did they act swiftly in getting Mac Brown back. Swiftly, or they just like it, it informed the rest of us of what, what they've been working on for the last month well, or two. Yeah, well, it looked swift, right? But I mean, how long was it in the works? And, it, and yeah. so, you know, when you make a change that fast, I mean, that's this probably started in press- September. They probably started, honestly, <laughs> I don't know this, but can't you imagine the yeah. scenario with last season and then uh, Larry Fedora had a bad press conference? He started out uh, in the, oh, in yeah, the hole with right. a bad press conference, they had a ton of suspensions, they weren't winning. Uh, that at some point, no later than midway point of the season, 
the people that were going to pay off the $12 million payout to Larry Fedora also handpicked Mac Brown. There was no interview process, which to me, I'm not even about Mac Brown's the right choice or wrong choice. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He's won a national title. I actually don't have an issue with Mac Brown coaching because he sounds like he's got that fire, which is all you're asking for in the belly to do that. But why not? What do you have to lose by interviewing Scott Satterfield and some other folks, which says to me, there was only one scenario, and it was the, the money had to be paid out, and they get to pick the next coach, and they wanted Mac Brown back, which is why you wouldn't waste people's time or act like you're going to hire somebody else. Well, and the drumbeat always has been kind of a low murmur, um, you know, whether it was Larry Fedora or before that, you know, in the Butch Davis. You know, there was always uh, a ground – I always heard in small circles people, you know, some people, Carolina fans, you know, whoa, what up, Mac Brown? Bring Mac Brown back. And I was like, well, come on, man, like – I mean, I actually don't have a problem with the hire initially. Well, let me rephrase that. When I first heard on Sunday the reports about Mac Brown, I was like, "Wow, is that what they really want to do?" And I said, "Well, it kind of makes sense. I mean, he, he was, he, you know, he did have some. Uh, he was entrenched here. You know, how well is that going to play out, though? I mean, a lot of the coaches that he was friendly with, you know, 15, 20 years ago, um, you, you know, and I know he kept up some relationships when he was at Texas, but are, are a lot of those coaches still in place? Um, where he won me over, Jim, and this is probably bad." Um, cause you don't ever want to do this. I always think it's a bad sign, but when you win the press conference, like I was watching the press conference, I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, Mac Brown. Yeah. Did he actually Get name his wife, Sally, as offensive coordinator at one point though? Because he mentioned her more than anybody else. No, no, it was no, no, him no, and no. Sally. Missed, I think you missed the beginning of it. I think she's the associate head coach. Associate head coach. It's higher. <laughs> it's even higher up. Maybe athletic director at this point. You know, and maybe it's cause like we're, 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 uh, you know, you and I are both veteran, uh, folks. I'm not gonna say old. Uh, so I'm starting to root for old guys getting good jobs because <laughs> <laughs> it keeps us working, makes us look yeah. younger than we are because yeah. they're slightly exactly. older. Exactly. Um, I, I, and maybe I'm a sucker at heart cause I'm, you know, I'm kind of an eternal optimist, but, uh, I like the fact that he, that he liked that he and his, he included his wife as like they were a partnership. No, I love that. A lot of the, cause I, he's, I he's at a retirement great. age where like the question right. is, do you even want to work? And he named yeah. Hawaii and the Bahamas were the other two places yeah. she was picking and Frankly, right. I'm rooting for the Bahamas to get a team. I think that'd be fun to follow them and uh, <laughs> yeah. road trip. But, and I think no, no, I think you and I should try and be on the broadcast crew for that. Right. Then you and Dave could come yeah. visit and sample like a local eatery there and, and write about <laughs> That's it. Right. That's right. Yeah, we've come full circle with that. So here yeah. we are. We're ready for the Panthers and Buccaneers headed to sunshine and 80 degrees. And we'll begin at 10 o'clock on WBT with the pregame show kickoff at 1. And then Mike and uh, Brett with the postgame show following the game so hopefully next week mike we're talking about a win over tampa bay as i get ready to go back to the land and, and cleveland what a transition that'll be from tampa to cleveland it's december football in the nfl i know and uh you know hopefully the weather's not gonna be too bad i mean this this week uh it's been kind of cold in, in uh in this part of the woods so it's uh you know cleveland's no pushover now you know especially after they made their coaching change and you know baker mayfield yep. it seems like he's building up more confidence. The good news though is um, hopefully by the time you, uh, you step into the Cleveland stadium there, uh, Hugh Jackson will no longer be kind of an, uh, like the, the Baker Mayfield, <laughs> Hugh Jackson um, rift. Hopefully will be um, long past due and you won't have to talk about that. They might run him out of Cincinnati by the time I get to Cleveland. No. Things are going for the Bengals, <laughs> Bengals right now, but we'll talk about that stuff next week about the, the Ohio trip. We'll uh, wrap up Florida next week too, with Tampa. Mike, have a great weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you then. You too, Zub. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise. 
the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull. Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.